So I think just being emboldened to think of the art of the possible, align that with where the business is wanting to go, and then take the risk of building that business case and getting that buy-in. Technology is transforming how we think, how we lead, and how we win. From InterVision, this is Status Go, the show helping IT leaders move beyond the status quo, master their craft, and propel their IT vision. Welcome to Status Go. I'm your host, Jeff Tun, and welcome to 2020. This is one of our first podcasts of the new year. As usual in the IT world, a start of a new year is start of new plans, new initiatives. You're kind of kicking things off. I'm really excited with our conversation today with Michael Smith. Michael is the CIO for American Academy of Family Physicians, and he's just finished a three-year transformation of their environment. And I thought it would be great to sit down with him today and talk about some of that transformation because it would provide good input to you, our listeners, as to what things you might need to be addressing in 2020 and beyond. Welcome to the show, Michael. Thank you. So why don't we start with your background? Tell us a little bit about uh, your background, your career, and how you got to where you are today with AAFP. Uh, And then we'll get into this three-year transformation story. Okay. Yeah. So actually, this month marks my 23rd uh, anniversary in the IT industry. And uh, I literally started in the entry level position of, of IT and uh, desk site support and help desk. And just over the years, I've had an opportunity to just work in various different companies and gain a lot of different experience. And eventually about 15 years ago, moved into uh, management positions to eventually get me to uh, the CIO ranks. But uh, I've worked for both brick and mortar companies, as well as virtual companies and consulting. And prior to coming to the AAFP for about nine and a half years was with a uh, Fortune 250 company, Thermo Fisher Scientific, uh, and finished as a senior director of IT over uh, the Americas, Europe, and Asia. And, uh, And then had an opportunity to move into the CIO ranks with the American Academy of Family Physicians, uh, which we call AAFP. And I started with them in October of 2015. So you've been in a variety of different industries, a variety of different experiences. How did that past experience help you when you were walking in the door to AAFP in October 2015? Yeah, I, I think it was it was key, specifically in the fact that I had worked in consulting. So if, if you've been in a consulting background, you know that... Uh, each project could be a completely different industry. So I've had the opportunity to work in financial institutions and entertainment, defense, manufacturing, insurance, any number of different uh, organizations, even including nonprofit. But I had never worked for an association. So this was completely new and and kind of a, a different world than I had worked in and previously. And so I can actually now say that I have worked in every single industry <laughs> during the 23 years. Uh, and go. so yeah. so I do think when I came into the AAFP, you know, they're literally in technology, there's there's nothing new 
under the sun. Right. So it doesn't matter what industry or what company you come from. The challenges are very similar. And how do you use technology to create a competitive advantage for the organization that you work for? Sometimes that's uh, really a value add to have that breadth of experience because what solved a problem in the entertainment industry may in fact solve a problem in the healthcare industry, right? And, and sometimes we don't get that cross-pollination. So it's good to have that in your background. Oh yeah, I, I believe so. And, and I think if anyone ever had an opportunity to work in consulting, even for a short period of time, it would be time well spent because you do get to see just kind of a, a different perspective and you literally do go into companies that you see the good, the bad, and the ugly. Yep. And, mm-hmm. uh, and so you are able to uh, look at things from a different perspective. And of course, when you are in the consulting industry, you're, you're dealing a lot of things that are client specific. So very customer service focused, very much where you're there to to help a, a given client. So when you do come out of the consulting world and, and go back to working for brick and mortar companies, you do kind of bring with that a different perspective than what mm-hmm. you might see in legacy technology uh, organizations where you can become very uh, cynical or you can become very maybe tunnel vision into looking at a problem from a technology perspective than looking at a problem from a business perspective. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So take us back. It's October 2015 and you're the brand new CIO of American Academy of Family Physicians. What's it like? What do you see? What are the challenges? How, How do you create your vision of the future? back in October, 2015? Yeah. Um, to be honest, I came in with a idea. Uh, I'm, I'm a big believer. And I think this kind of came from uh, the consulting background is that you need to hit the ground running. And so even when I interviewed for the position, I'd kind of laid out what the first 100 days would look like when I interviewed with the CEO and the, and the chief operating officer and, and said, this is what we're going to focus on in the first 100 yeah. days. And so I, I came in with that idea and uh, it became quickly apparent that my idea and, and what I kind of wanted to do in that first 100 days was kind of blown up <laughs> right at the very onset. And to kind of share a story, I, I came into AAFP and, and there was this legacy meeting that would happen each Wednesday and, and a number of the IT resources would come together that represented the business analysts, the project managers, developers, engineers. And they'd kind of walk through kind of a weekly update with my predecessor. And of course, I sat in for a couple of weeks because that predecessor stayed on for two weeks to kind of get me up to speed, you know, lay of the land and all of that. And one of the things I quickly noticed was that they were going through the project list and they were just arbitrarily changing the go live dates <laughs> and, and being new to the organization and, mm-hmm. and the existing CIO was still there. I was respectful where I just kind of listened and observed. And, uh, and of course, this went on my first two weeks. And then the third week was my first week there after the predecessor had rolled off. Mm-hmm. Again, that same weekly meeting. And, uh, and so the same process went through where they're looking at these projects. They're arbitrarily changing the date. And I just stopped the meeting and I said, so what does the organization think? Um, what was their reaction to when you guys changed these dates? And literally, there was kind of like a deer in the headlight look. Like, well, what do you mean? <laughs> And I said, well, did they approve and agree to you guys moving this date? Well, we haven't talked to them yet. And so then I realized that, okay, 
we got a major problem here because it's not just in the fact that we're delivering technology solutions. We need to go back to the basics of technology 101. We've got to make sure we're in a partnership with the organization and and that we can't just do things in a vacuum. So what I kind of laid out in my first 100 days is kind of like, okay, I got to scrap that. We've got to go back to some of the fundamental basics. And then another challenge when you do come into an association, um, associations generally are slightly behind the technology curve. For the AAFP, they were significantly behind the technology curve. So this is late 2015. They had just recently, within the last few months of me coming on board, had upgraded to Office 2003. They were still running group-wise for their email uh, communications, and it had been 20 years since I used that platform, and I didn't even realize that was still in business. Um, their, Their entire network authentication model was built off Novell. So the ability for them to integrate with other enterprise applications was just non-existent. And so not only do we have to kind of think about going back to the technology basics, but we had to really kind of look at the technology landscape that how can the AAFP be competitive as we move forward when we're dealing with technologies that are either outdated or they just have no integration path with any type of major applications. Yeah. Yeah. So you've walked into that, you're kind of doing a reset and going back to the fundamentals and bringing that to the company that obviously had to involve a pretty significant cultural change within your department, but also within the company. How did you lead and guide the organization through that? Yeah, it, it was uh, it was definitely challenging because, again, in the association world, you do have a workforce that majority of the employees have worked their entire career in an association. So it's sort of like this close-knit family and and you know not to make it sound the wrong way but it it almost kind of feels like you're in the mafia <laughs> that you come into this family where the average tenure is you're you're dealing with employees that have worked at an association 20 25 35 years and in some cases that same association so you've got a lot of years of experience that individuals have been used to doing things a certain way And then someone comes in that, number one, never worked in an association. Mm -hmm. And number two comes in and says, hey, we're going to do things drastically different. You can imagine there's a lot of Uh um, angst and gnashing of teeth and and really kind of some pushback. Well, they got to be looking at you like you got three heads at that point, right? It's like, well, yeah, I'm I'm sure. Or, you know, they're looking at me sort of like the enemy that, you know, this is someone that doesn't have a clue how associations work and they just can't come in and just change things. Yeah, yeah. And I think the only saving grace out of that entire process was the leadership team. Uh, specifically the CEO and the COO, which again, had been with the organization for years, but they made it a point that their next CIO was going to be someone that came in from outside the association world because they did know that they needed to be thinking and acting differently than what they'd done in years past. And so one of the messages that I sold not only to the board of directors, but also to the leadership team was that I get it that you're an association. I get it that you're a nonprofit but you're also a product and services company. Mm -hmm. So you've got to think like a product and services company. 
And irregardless of whether you consider yourself that at the end of the year you made a profit, because as a nonprofit, any of your profitable dollars just go right back into the organization right. uh, because you're a nonprofit organization. So with that in mind, you still have a constituent base. So instead of calling them customers, you call them members. Mm-hmm. And, and those members, along with your learners, your subscribers, and the companies that the AAFP does business with, you are still selling them a product and a service. So think about yourself as a product and services company. And if you do, that's going to automatically make you think and act differently than if you looked at yourself only as an advocating association Mm -hmm. uh, for family doctors. But to accomplish that, you're also going to have to bring in the technologies that would support a product and services company. And and the technologies you're using now are not going to allow you to do that. And so we've got to really consider how we need to look across end to end of the organization, not only on the back end infrastructure, but on the front office side and the applications that we're utilizing, how we can kind of change the way the business interacts and engages with your constituent base but also is able to drive additional value to those members through the products and services that you offer. So you spent, um, it sounds like, since this is 2020 and you started there in 2015, you spent a year plus kind of doing the fundamentals, going back and getting things right. Then you embarked on this three years of transformation that you've wrapped up recently. Uh, Talk us through what was in your mind, what things did you take into consideration as you were launching this? And then let's, uh, we'll follow that up with talking about what did, what did you learn from the experience? What things came out of that, that really either surprised you or that you and your team learned from? So let's start with the front. What was your vision? Uh, And then we'll go to the lessons learned. Yeah. So, so I think even um, starting even maybe earlier than that, when first coming on board, like I'd mentioned, I'd worked in a lot of different industries, but I'd never worked in an association. And so I did go into coming on board with the mindset that, you know, okay, I get it. This is not an insurance company, or this is not a financial company, or this is not an entertainment company. So there's some nuances that I need to kind of get used to based upon how they operate. And again, the products and services they sell. Well, that was naive on my part, because literally, when you work in an association, the way an association operates is like no other company hmm. anywhere. It has to it just kind of this this concept that you're governed by a, um, a Congress of delegates, oh, right? And yeah, these delegates yeah. are state chapters, and those delegates represent the 55 chapters of the AAP, which is one for each state, and then there's five at-large chapters. And these Congress of Delegates establish the bylaws of how the company operates. And so you you could kind of look at it as sort of like a board of directors, but it's on a much larger scale than that. And, And then you're dealing with each state manages their healthcare requirements and policies different. So you could, in theory, have 50 different ways of how you manage healthcare policy, depending upon what state you're talking about. And so it's just it's it's vastly different than any other company. So it took me a while to get my hands around just how that business model operates, because, again, I've never been in there. And so I would say from the time that I started to the time that we said day one of our three year plan, 
was probably close to 18 months because okay. okay. six months just kind of getting my feet and understanding what, you know, how the organization operated and then kind of working with leadership and then laying out the vision and the plan that, you know, we published that and then we had to get buy-in across the organization. And, and that in itself took about, you know, nine to 12 months to do that. Yeah. Yeah. So on June 1st of 2017 was day one of our new of our three-year plan, and and that finishes May 31st of 2020. So we're coming to the the latter parts of that three-year plan. Yeah, yeah. And uh, and one of the challenges the organization was facing, which was probably the biggest, you know, pants on fire type scenario, was that their primary system that I would consider kind of the hub and spoke of of the organization was their association management system. So the, the best way to explain that would be in, in manufacturing companies, that would be your primary ERP system, yeah, right? Yeah. It would be your whole supply chain, everything, it's your financials, guts. all yeah, of that. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And they had um, they had invested in, in a system in 2009 that was just really a, a bad design from an architectural perspective. The challenge was that this platform was the best of the best in the association industry, oh. <laughs> which if that's the case, I would hate to see what the worst yeah. is. Um, but I mean, it was just a bad design where what they tried to do, this vendor tried to do was to create this jack of all trades. Mm-hmm. You know, we're, we're going to be more than just an association management provider. We're going to be an events management expert. Oh, yeah. We're going to be an e-commerce expert. We're going to be, you know, this and this and this and expert and everything. So you end up getting all these bolt on systems that are loosely integrated and connected that if you make one change here, you could break three or four other systems in that association management platform. So it was just an absolute administrative nightmare to keep that up and running. And so they were in the process of upgrading to a newer version. And they had already started the upgrade before I came on board. And when I came on board in October, they were about nine or 10 months into the upgrade and they weren't making a lot of progress. And by March, which now was 13 months into the upgrade process, Uh I finally went to the leadership and I said, this is ridiculous. We're canceling this project. We're staying on the platform that we're on. So we're not going to upgrade that version, but we need to have a plan of how we can get off this platform to something that's a little bit more consistent yeah. and yeah. and reliable to what the organization could do and to grow with that platform. And so that kind of became the centerpiece of that three-year strategy oh, gotcha. um, was around replacing that because you replace that, suddenly you create this ripple effect that it impacts all the other applications and the infrastructure environment. So if we're going to replace this, we've got to make sure that with the infrastructure uh, environment, we have a, a network infrastructure and architecture that would support changing, you know, the association management system. And I knew the Novell integration, that wasn't going to work. Because again, you ask any vendor, do you integrate with Novell? And and if you got some newer vendors on the market, they're like, well, what's Novell? Yeah. <laughs> and they may have never even heard of it, um, let alone being able to develop APIs or any type of uh, integration capabilities. And so as I, I kind of researched with other associations, what they were looking at, what they were doing, Salesforce kept coming up in the discussion. Hmm. Well, I had used Salesforce.com since 2008 and was very familiar with that. And and it was very intriguing. And so we made the decision that we're going to invest in an association management system. The name of it is Fontiva. And it sits on Salesforce.com. And and suddenly that kind of starts to build this model to say, you know what, we're going to move from a Mm on-premise environment 
to a hybrid cloud computing environment. And as part of that whole decision, we made the decision we're going to invest in Workday for our HR and accounting systems. We're going to invest in a, a cloud communication platform, Cisco Telephony with mm-hmm. WebEx and with uh, Jabber and, and those types of technologies. And all of that kind of started to build out our technology roadmap for doing that. And so it's safe to say that in that three-year period, uh, we've touched every single division within the organization, 18 divisions, and it is a true end-to-end transformation, not only from a technology perspective, but also just from a business process and operating model transformation as well. So so as you look back, you're, you're nearing the end. So you're on what, let's use uh, football since we're in the middle of the playoffs uh, and, and you guys are doing fairly well. So you're on the 10 yard line getting ready to, to go in. So you're in the red zone finishing. Looking back, what's been some of the biggest takeaways that you've seen that either you've learned, your team's learned, or the company's learned? Um, well, I kind of always knew this, but at, at the same time, it was on a much larger scale than anything that I've ever experienced in the past, was don't and underestimate how hard change is for an organization. <laughs> yeah. and, and, and again, being in the consulting world, I mean, you saw that all the time, but, um, but you're dealing with individuals that, you know, had a long tenure with the organization that now what they did, they could do it in their sleep. And now someone's going to come in and say, we're going to change not only the way you do things, but we're going to change the technologies. And you're not even familiar with the concept of these technologies, because, um, you know, I, I remember getting phone calls from CIOs from other associations that were, to, to a certain extent, almost threatening me that, you know, you can't do what you're doing. That's not the way associations work. And, uh, and, and I think it was very intimidating for them because if we're successful, you know, word's going to spread across the associations. And now these other CIOs are probably going to be on the clock to say, hey, what can you do for us yeah, exactly. um, to do that same thing? And, and again, associations, if they change, they change very little over a long period of time. And that's why they become so far behind on the technology curve. And so, so not only was I dealing with the challenges internally of change, um, again, outside of the board directors and leadership, because that's what kind of kept the momentum going forward, but you also have to work <laughs> with the individuals in the organizations to do the day-to-day operations. And, and so little by little, we kind of broke through that armor and started getting buy-in by doing these quick wins and, and them realizing, hey, maybe this is not so bad because it is making my job easier. Yeah. And so, uh, so yeah, but change was definitely hard that, you know, never underestimate that even though you're dealing with an individual project, you've got to remember that even though you know it's the right thing to do, and from a technology perspective, you feel like this should not be a challenging technology change, don't underestimate the fear of the unknown and just that, that challenge of changing the organization as well. One of the things that, that came out in our preliminary conversation that you had with Megan early on, uh, and I want to get to this because I don't know that we've talked about this subject at all on our podcast yet, and that is negotiation techniques. That was highlighted in the notes from your conversation. So talk to me about what your lessons learned were around negotiation, what things worked, what things didn't. Uh, How did that play into the success of this transformation? 
Um, yeah, yeah. Well, first of all, we had to work with a lot of different vendors. Um, so in this whole process, we've moved to the Adobe Marketing Cloud. So again, we were dealing with Adobe, we were dealing with Cisco, we were dealing with Salesforce, we were dealing with Microsoft, we were dealing with Workday. So these are all kind of big ticket platforms. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and when you think of the AAFP, they're a $90 million company. And not only are they a $90 million company, they're a nonprofit. So the number one challenge you're first going to, and, and, and let me back up from that. When I say they're a nonprofit from the IRS, they're a nonprofit, but they're a 501c6 company, okay. which to software organizations say you're not a nonprofit. Because there are products that we sell that would have a sales tax associated with that. So right out of the gate, we're having software providers sell us licensing costs at the same price point as they do profit-based organizations. Mm -hmm. And so now, you know, we run into the challenge of saying, time out. We can't even afford this right out of the gate. And and so I had to go through lots of different negotiations through software companies, not necessarily getting a nonprofit discount, but getting a, uh, a buy-in from that software provider that, number one, they had not really done a lot in selling to associations. Right. But if you do look at the association model, it is the largest industry in the world really? by far, not even close. And the reason why is... You pick whatever industry, if you say you're going to pick insurance and you look at Allstate or you look at State Farm or you look at Progressive or you look at any of those, every one of those insurance companies belong to an association. In this case, it's the National Association of Insurance Commissioners. Okay. And, and so when you think about any industry, any company, every single company belongs to some type of trade or professional association. And so what I went in with these software providers is that, look, you guys need to take a step back and look at the big picture. That if you can come in to our organization and you can be successful and we're an association, then I'm going to be your biggest champion. Yeah. Which means I know other associations are considering what we're doing And I'm more than happy to provide a recommendation that if you do by right for us to talk to my association colleagues, and there's a huge untapped potential in this market that you've never went to before because you see them as a nonprofit, so they don't have a lot of money to spend. And so we got significant discounts with Workday. We got some significant discounts with Salesforce. We do have a number of associations in the industry now that have, have followed AAFP and have went into agreements with those software companies. So I was able to follow through with what, you know, I had promised promised to those vendors. But again, I'm requiring that, you know, you're not just selling something to me. You're helping me be successful on your platform. Because if you're not helping me to be successful on a platform, don't expect me to provide a reference for your platform to another association. And so there was a vested win-win type of scenario. It was still a significant amount of money. We're talking about $10.6 million over a three-year investment for a $90 million company is a significant investment. Yeah, that is. But it easily could have been a 18, 20, $25 million investment if we wouldn't have negotiated good rates both on the delivery as well as on the licensing cost. It sounds like part of the negotiation uh, strategy was to educate educate these vendors on what this uh, what this association market is, what that means to them. So that's a great first piece of the negotiation strategy is to just educate 
on what it is you're trying to do and what others may be trying to do. Yeah, you know, absolutely. And, and again, this is where it comes in that having a consulting background where many times the consulting companies I worked for were partners with the software providers, right? So mm-hmm. perfect example is one of the consulting firms that I worked for was a, you know, a gold certified partner with Microsoft and a highly regarded certified partner with Oracle. And so you knew how these software companies operate, right? And and I had the inner workings to know what's the um, the ratio of what a salesperson is willing to take when you negotiate a software cost that they're still able to make a profitable commission, right? As a sales rep, because they have authority to be able to make certain decisions to a certain level. But I remember when we were negotiating with Workday, some of the negotiations I was pushing back required us to get approval from the number three person in Workday. And that person was based out of Barcelona, Spain. And, uh, and so we got on a call with that. He was the um, senior vice president of product sales for Workday. And he reported directly to the CEO of Workday. And we're having, you know, a one-on-one conversation with him to get approval for some of these negotiations. And it's a a 400 employee company making $90 million a year talking to the number three person at Workday you know you're making progress in negotiating with vendors when you get time with those individuals yeah. and in turn they agree to the terms so yeah i mean but but it's a lot of work and yeah. i mean it was not easy and it's <laughs> and it's a lot of discussions and and a lot of time that you have to invest in but but it's paid significant dividends for the AAFP and again just having the inner knowledge and inner workings of how software sales works and how delivery works because I'd been in consulting right. you know that that gives you kind of an advantage that you know how that software company is thinking and you know what buttons to push to be able to get the negotiation that you want to get yeah, exactly. So, so Michael, this has been a great conversation and we're, we're running up against time. Uh, before I get to my final question, I would just like to say I'd love to have you back later in the year and continue this conversation. Maybe after uh, the completion date of your transformation, we can spend some time doing a more in-depth look back on that project. So if you're open to that, would love to have you back. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, no, I'd be happy to. So my final question I always like to wrap with is uh, our listeners out there are peer CIOs, they're senior IT leaders. What's one or two pieces of advice that you can share with them? What should they do differently tomorrow because they listened to us on this podcast today? I think, um, number one, lead with boldness. Um, I, I think always be looking at the art of the possible, uh, something that may seem, you know, impossible or that you don't think the organization would be up to that. Um, you never know unless you ask. And, and I think being able to also make the decision, because I'm assuming, you know, my, my peer CIOs, which I'd be surprised if wasn't the case, they understand how their business operates. And so they understand the challenges. They understand where there may be gaps and how technology can, can improve that. So, so I think just being emboldened to think of the art of the possible uh, align that with where the business is wanting to go and then take the risk of, of building that business case uh, and getting that buy-in um, because I came in completely cold. And even though I had the support of the leadership, 
in their mind, they're thinking we're hiring someone that's coming in outside the association world, but their thought wasn't, well, the CIO is going to flip everything on its head, right? That was not their thought when they were hiring me. Just to assume that that's what they wanted when they hired me was not the case. I had to build that business case and I had to really build why this was important and why the technology they had right now was not going to work for them into the future. Because again, we're, we're talking about individuals that are non-IT people. If you expect them to know the benefits between Novell and Active Directory, that's not going to happen. And, and, but at the same <laughs> right. time, you can't go into the conversation talking about the technical differences between Novell and Active Directory because you're going to lose them right at the beginning of the conversation. So to be able exactly. to build that around a case and saying why this could impact your ability as a 70-year-old company, um, because they celebrated their 70th anniversary in, in 2019, uh, 2017, that you don't want to be the leadership that's in you know, sitting at the helm of this organization when the beginning of the end has started, because you now are not in a position to be able to grow the organization and provide more value because you're tied to the technology platforms that you've invested in previously. And so, so I think just, you know, lead with boldness and, and then also think about the art of the possible. That's outstanding. Michael, thank you again for taking the time to to talk with us today. I know you're incredibly busy and I really appreciate the time. So thank you. Well, thank you. I appreciate the opportunity and uh, yeah, would definitely enjoy any future opportunities to discuss. Fantastic. To our listeners out there, I think we have our tagline coming out of this episode, uh, Lead with Boldness. I may even advocate with Megan that that's the title of this podcast because I think that that sums it up very, very well. If you have a question or want to learn more, go to intervision.com. The show notes will provide links and contact information. This is Jeff Tun for Michael Smith. Thank you very much for listening. You've been listening to the Status Go podcast. You can subscribe on iTunes or get more information at intervision.com. If you'd like to contribute to the conversation, find Intervision on Facebook, LinkedIn, or Twitter. Thank you for listening. Until next time.